0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Crop Talk. I am your host, Thad Stauffer, and joining me today are Lisa Kalni, Jason Gama, and Tom Timko, who are the state insurance crop officers here at Compeer. And also joining us today is Lisa Quest. Lisa is our life insurance and transition planning specialist here at Compeer. Guys and Lisa, welcome to this episode of Crop Talk. You. Yes, looking looking forward for today's conversation. Lisa, it says in your title here, you work in transition planning and life insurance. So this will be a change of pace from the normal conversation that we typically have on this podcast where we're focused on crop insurance topics and as of the last year we're a lot more on the government program side of things. So let's let's give our listeners a taste of these two topics of transition planning and life insurance, and let's start the conversation. Let's maybe start at the beginning and share some information with our listeners who maybe have no idea what transition planning is. Can you give us an overview of what transition planning is?
1: Sure. Thanks for inviting me to be part of the podcast today. I appreciate it. So transition planning is when um, you have a a business owner. Um, Obviously, in our line of work, we're talking about farmers, but it doesn't have to be necessarily. So a business owner who is looking to move that operation from their generation to the next generation. So whether that be they have um, kids coming back to the farm to farm with them or nephews and nieces or even an outside-of-the-family transition. Um, Building a transition plan helps to put all those big concepts down on paper and ensure that all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted to make sure that when eventually the official transfer of ownership takes place, all of the work has been done ahead of time and that transfer can happen smoothly for the family.
0: Okay. Sounds super complicated. I know it's not, but it sounds complicated. Uh, for those listeners or those who deal with comp here on a regular basis, they know us for a lender for Agriculture in Rural America, and they know us for the crop insurance, and the other aspects of what we offer here. Why, why an outlet for transition planning? What, what was the motive behind a transition planning offering for clients?
1: So the number one motivation actually was that our clients were asking us for it. It is a really complicated topic, and it is something that it's good to get outside counsel on and bring someone in who's an expert in this area. In 2019, we asked our clients what is the number one thing they need help with that Comp has got current offering, and the number one answer was transition planning. And so Compure took that information from our clients and decided that we needed to build out some sort of offering that we could help our clients with this. Um, Another reason that we offer transition planning is uh, statistically of the 2 million farms that we have in the United States of America, 98% of those are classified as family farms, and it's estimated that only 11% have a transition plan in place. So there's a huge need and a huge gap. Um, Everyone at some point, every business is going to need a transition plan. So if we have 89% that don't have a transition plan in place, there's a big need there. The USDA estimates that seventy percent of U.S. farmland will transfer ownership in the next fifteen years. Um, so, as our as the average age of the farmers is increasing, this need to get transition plans written down and in place becomes a lot more important. Also,
2: so Lisa, I have a question for you. As I think about transition planning, in my mind, I think of how do I get the next generation involved. Move assets or give them the opportunity to buy those assets. I'm always thinking of life insurance, tax planning, estate planning. Is there something more to this than those three things?
1: It's really a combination of all of those things, and every operation is different. So, what each individual operation needs is going to be dependent on what they want that transition to look like and how they want it to happen. Sometimes um, it can include. Um, leadership and development or the generation that's incoming maybe they don't have a lot of management experience and they need to learn that or um, maybe they need maybe they haven't done the, the marketing of the crop and they need to learn marketing so often there's a there's a component of education that goes along with the tra- with the well-run transition plan as well um, but yes definitely. Um, looking at the tax implications, working with an attorney to draw out the correct documents, working with your CPA to look at the tax implications, of course, those are important parts of it. Sometimes there is a need for life insurance or maybe disability insurance or maybe long-term care insurance, but all of those things are very individualized to each operation. And by having a transition planning partner to work with you, they can sit down and make sure that they're putting together a plan that works for your specific situation.
2: Okay, so this is Jason. When, you, when we talk about transition planning, is there a particular farm size uh, that best fits a transition planning conversation?
1: No, we, can, we have partners that will be able to work with any size operation, no matter what you have. It's really a conversation that every operation needs to have. It's important for the incoming generation to know what um, the expectations are and what the hopes and dreams are of the, of the older generation. But as far as size is concerned, absolutely not any any size operation should be having these conversations.
0: Lisa, thank you. Talking your response there to Jason about partners, and I'm wondering from a kind peer of perspective, or maybe even it's you, how, how are you handling connections with you know those those farmers, those operations. Is that something you handle? What's the process for getting farmers in touch with uh, the the experts you talked about?
1: Yeah. So Compere understands this is a very complex topic that requires a lot of knowledge and a lot of background and experience. So Compere uh, works with vetted partners who are advisors to our clients to provide the service to our clients. So it's not actually Compere employees that are meeting with our clients to have these conversations. Um, if you come to Compere and you're looking to work on a transition plan, we will have a conversation with you to see which one of our partners might be the best fit for your operation. Um, and then we'll make a referral to that to that partner. We understand that there's not one partner that's going to be a perfect fit for everybody. we have a variety of partners that are going to match up with our clients. And um, we have a variety of partners in order to fill the diverse client needs that are out there.
0: So Lisa, what I, what I heard you say there is this this area is, you know, complicated enough that you want to be working with a specialist. So that's why Tom Pierce reached out to these other partners. Is that a fair statement to make? Yes, exactly. Okay, good. Uh, guys, any other questions for Lisa on this
2: topic? Yeah, Lisa. This is Lucas. I got a quick question. So, a lot of good information, like that said, threw some staff at us. But there's, we got ninety some percent out there, or whatever, upper eighties that need that transition plan. So, how do we let somebody get started? We now we know computer handles this, but what what's the next step they take to to get this process rolling?
1: Oh, great question. Thanks, Lucas. Um, you can always reach out to your financial officer or your insurance officer, and they will have the information and be able to get the process started. You can always call Tom Pier um, at one 844 426 and they'll be able to direct you. Um, you can send an email, the specific transition planning email, which is at com. That comes directly to me. Um, so those are some ways to reach out. And another thing I want to talk about is um, in February, we're going to be holding a virtual transition planning seminar. Um, due to COVID and everything that's going on with that, um, these will not be able to be in person this year, but we're excited about what we're going to be able to offer as a virtual option. The seminar will kick off on February 9th. We're doing nine days of programming from 9 until 1130 each day. You can attend all of them, or you can pick and choose which topics are going to be most applicable to you and your farm. Throughout the course of the nine days, we're going to have thirteen different speakers on all different topics, covering things like family meetings, communications, maximizing your tax savings, from off-farm jobs, long-term care planning. We even have one person who's going to talk about what to do if you don't have a family member to come back to your farm and and structuring an out family transition plan and lots more topics on that. Um, I'm really excited I'm involved in planning these events and we're We're doing everything we can to make these engaging, interactive, and we think they're even going to be kind of fun. So registration for that will open the week of December 7th. You can go um, and register at compeer.com, And just so you know, the first 250 addresses that register will get pre-event boxes that are going to be full of all kinds of fun surprises. So mark your calendar for December 7th to go to compeer.com and register for those transition planning seminars in February.
2: Uh, thanks, Lisa. I have a I have one more question that I I just kind of thought of as I was sitting here, that was thinking about the farmers that I worked with. Uh, what you know, I'm guessing with transition planning and taking that first step is is a, is a tough one. And maybe this is kind of a this is a very open open ended question, but what usually happens to get them over that hump of all right, I need to I need to sit down with someone and figure out how to going to work? Because I know it's probably a tough thing for um, our producers, our clients, you know, farmers are typically pretty proud people. So what what's usually the one thing that gets them over the hump that they need to finally sit down and have these conversations?
1: I don't know if I can come up with one thing, but I would say things that we see commonly um, might be um, unfortunately it's usually um, some sort of a negative event in their family. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe somebody's got gotten diagnosed with something um, that they all of a sudden feel the pressure that they need to get this done, or maybe a neighbor had either a unsuccessful transition take place or a successful transition take place. Um, so if they see a successful one, they may go ask that family, you know, what did you do? How did you make this happen? So smoothly and so well. You know, we always want people to come to start this conversation before it's a need, before somebody has that. Um, that diagnosis maybe that is motivating them. This is a conversation that should be taking place. It it can take several years to get something completely structured the way you want it to be. So I really encourage people to start the conversation. As difficult as it can be, if you have the right people at the table and if you're working with the right advisor, they can help guide you through those tough conversations and make sure that your plan is successful for your farm.
0: That's really good. good information there. Uh, At least if we could, you mentioned something that kind of triggered maybe the next area for us to spend some time on with our listeners, and you talked about difficult conversations. I know since I work closely with you, life insurance is another area that you are focused on, but sometimes that can be considered a difficult conversation to have. For our listeners out there, what advice would you give them, for anyone really, if they were thinking about life insurance or wanted to have a conversation about life insurance?
1: Yeah, so I always say I talk about really sad topics all day from my job, but I like to do it with a smile on my face. Um, so, yes, the other area that I look at that I cover is lifeinsurance.com here. Um, super important. It's something I'm really passionate about. Um, I recognize that makes me kind of an anomaly, and I'm okay with that. Um, but it's really important as a risk management tool. Um, I get that crop insurance is really important, and I know who I'm talking to, so I'm never going to say crop insurance isn't important, obviously, um, but life insurance is a really important risk management tool that everybody needs to be taken about if it's a fit for their operation. Um, but most farms can withstand a year or two of bad weather, bad um, production levels, bad prices. Very few farms can whether the loss of the main person, the key operator of that operation. Um, keep in mind, life insurance is for those who are left behind. Life insurance isn't something that I take out on myself for my benefit. It's something that I take out on myself, but if the unthinkable were to happen, my family is taken care of in my absence. Your family, if, if you're getting a payout on a life insurance policy, your family is already dealing with the tragedy of your death. Don't make them also then have to deal with the financial stress that goes along with they have now lost the operator in the business. You may not have enough coverage to pay off all of their debt, but yet you at least need to have enough coverage um, to buy them some time during that tragedy so that they're not having to meet with the financial officer about maybe selling the farm during a time when they shouldn't be making those kind of difficult decisions. With life insurance, it's better to be five years too early than five minutes too late. I can't tell you how many times I get a phone call from a client who just received that dreaded diagnosis, and now they want to know what they can do for life insurance to their family. Well, at that point, life insurance is rated based on your age and your health, so if you've already received a diagnosis this life insurance, is too late. There's other things we can do with your transition plan, um, but life insurance all of a sudden is off the table if you have some sort of a of a negative diagnosis. Um, you know, I also I file all the death claims for the trumpier clients, and my least favorite calls I get are the ones where the widow calls me and says, and my husband just passed away in a firm accident. Steve told me he picked that life insurance, and I know he was talking to you about it. Um, I like it when I can say yes, but unfortunately too often I have to say no. I'm sorry. He told us he wasn't interested or whatever the reason is.
2: Lisa, as I think about life insurance, what what is the demographics? What does that look like? Who are the main clients that buy that, and when do they buy that? When does it make sense for them to purchase life insurance?
1: The majority of the clients that we work with, I would say, between our, are between the ages of 40 and 55. But I would really encourage our younger clients to look at this as well. Life insurance is sold based on your age and your health status. And we never know what's going to happen. We never know when we're going to get that diagnosis. Um, And the younger you are, the healthier you typically are. Um, The older we get, there's all kinds of things that go along with aging. So I really recommend that people look at this when they're much younger than they think they should be. And then be forward thinking about it. Don't buy maybe, if you're in your early to mid-20s, and maybe you're still single, Um, and you don't have a lot of farm debt yet, maybe buy, don't buy for what you need today, but buy for what your plans are for the future because you never know what's going to come in the future and what you're going to need. I'm not trying to promote that a young person needs to buy an excessive amount of insurance. I'm just telling you to be forward-thinking when you're having those conversations about what your goals and dreams are in the future. That leads
2: me into another question along those same lines, Lisa. Is there a formula or limitations on how much a young person can purchase of life insurance?
1: There actually is. Um, Often for a farmer, we're able to, we have to be able to submit to the insurance company a reasonable explanation as to why you are taking on as much life insurance as you are. For example, if someone is 25 years old and applying for a million-dollar policy, But say their net worth is, I don't know, $50,000, the life insurance company is going to look at that and say, why in the world do you think you need a million dollars in coverage when you have a net worth of $50,000? So that will require the advisor that you're working with to write an explanation to the insurance company, which we have never had a problem getting those to go through once we're able to explain. You know, this person is working on a plan to buy out the family farm, and this is the estimated amount of debt that they're going to incur over the next maybe 5 to 10 years. Good question.
0: Thanks, Tom, for that. That was a good question. At least when I think about what you just kind of walked through, uh, particularly in the life insurance area there, anything else to highlight?
1: One thing that I always like to stress when I'm talking to people is, please, once you get your life insurance policy in place, do not forget to refu- review that policy with a trusted advisor. Beneficiaries for life insurance are currently non-contestable. Um, it's one of the only things that are non-contestable at best. I have a real-life case in my life before I worked at Compere um, where the agents I worked with had written a $2 million life insurance policy for a, a town sheriff. Um, the town sheriff got divorced and remarried and 20 years later passed away. He never changed the beneficiary on his life insurance policy, so wife number one got that $2 million policy. Um, so please make sure that you review your life insurance policy and all of your, all of your financial services with a trusted advisor at least every two years, but certainly anytime there's a major change in your life, such as marriage, divorce, birth of children, those types of things.
2: Lisa, as a young farmer, maybe he's age 30, he takes out $800,000 million of life insurance. And, you know, maybe the cost of farming is not as high as it is 20 years later, like today. And now Mm -hmm. maybe his health has changed a little bit. What what triggers that person to say, man, how do they miss that? I I don't nearly have enough life insurance to cover my debt and expenses and keep my family Uh, comfortable. What triggers them to review that?
1: Like I said, Tom, it's really important that you're reviewing your your insurance and financial products at least every two years with your advisor. We would hope that you would have a relationship with an advisor who is able to look at your whole operation. I I can't stress enough how important it is to work with somebody who specifically understands farming. Um, If you go to just a a typical agent who doesn't have that big background, even if they they work with businesses, farming is so different than than even a traditional business outside of the agriculture world. I really encourage people to work with an advisor who understands farming, who understands the nuances and the intricacies, and then really honestly have those reviews every two years because if they do that, they're going to be able to look at your financial picture and how the operation is changing, and they're going to be able to, to see that you've got a larger need um, than you initially thought before it becomes a train wreck problem 20 or 30 years down the road. If you put a policy in place today and then you don't review it for 20 years, chances are good you're going to have kind of a train wreck on your hands because everybody's financial situation changes over the course of 20 years, and what your financial needs are are going to change. So I just can't stress enough how important those reviews are.
2: So I may be one of those farmers who like convenience. How easy or convenient is that application process in most cases?
1: It is so easy, especially with all of the changes that have taken place with COVID. All of the insurance companies that we work with have moved to an online application process. Um, A lot of them have moved to a simplified um, issue and underwriting process as well. So if you're like under age 50 and have a good medical history, um, you're able to get that policy in place. In some cases, without even having to have someone come to your house and do the typical blood, urine, test that goes along with the typical life insurance policy. A lot of our companies are even waiving those requirements for someone who's young and healthy at this point.
0: Thanks, Tom. Good good question there. Thank you, Lisa, for going down that path. I think that was very, very helpful. Well, gang, let's do this. Let's uh, kind of wrap up our conversation here today. I think that was very helpful for our listeners and a change of pace. At least on behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, want to say thank you for spending time with us today. We really appreciate your sharing that information on transition planning and life insurance with our listeners. I want to say a special thank you to our listeners as well. We appreciate you taking time to, to listen to this podcast. If you haven't rated a review, please take time to do so. As well as if you enjoy the podcast, please tell a friend. We're for more subscribers. Until next time, thanks for listening on this episode of Crop Talk.